Welcome to Black Equity. This is going to be an awesome week for you. All the new listeners, thank you for coming on. Uh, If you are interested in hearing more of our content, be sure to tune into all the previous episodes. We have over 160 episodes available uh, now on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, Today is an awesome episode, episode 170, where we look at what is the purpose of money and does money even have a purpose? Uh, So I have my good friend, Aquania, from The Purpose of Money. She's going to be coming on the show to help us out and explain uh, what's happening. We're going to join the conversation already in progress because this is going to be a two-part series. And I want to get straight to understanding more about her and then also learning about the concept of if money has a purpose. So without further ado, let's jump right in. My question uh, for you, uh, just starting off, is tell us a little bit about who you are and a little bit about your company. Awesome. So I am a personal finance coach, life insurance agent, and public speaker that likes to get out and get people excited about money, finances, and leaving legacies. Uh, The Purpose of Money is my online platform where I share tips and tricks on how to really build wealth. And it's really targeting women, women of color. The reason I'm doing this is because I feel like men are so naturally driven to provide for their families and expected to leave a legacy, but women are just as powerful to do so. And in most cases are the primary breadwinners if they're in a single family household, single parent household, for example. So I really want to encourage all women, all walks of life to really start focusing on how they can leave a legacy as well and how they can improve their finances to make that possible. Let's look at that. When we talk about legacy, what does that really mean to you? What is leaving a legacy? So everyone has a different vision on how they want to be remembered. But for me personally, it's leaving wealth and the family that you leave behind in a better position than they were before you. I feel like the minimum we could do is leave insurance money so that life insurance provides not only for your final expenses, but also maybe college or a future business or home that your family members are able to enjoy beyond your time, right? But it also means like leaving that purpose and that motivation in your family members to encourage them to do the same thing, to climb higher, to build more assets. So you can also leave a legacy through business. You can leave a legacy through um, education. But financially is what I'm really focused on, because the financial legacy is what gives your family. Now, we mentioned life insurance and for a lot of people within a community and just for full disclosure, everyone listening. I did sell life insurance uh, with uh, a company a few years back. And what I found while doing that was a lot of people were afraid of life insurance. Did Have you found that to be the case in your travels? No, I haven't. What I've found, though, is either they don't have okay. it and they just don't think they can afford it. 
or they're so dependent on what their job provides that they don't think about getting life insurance outside of their employer. And the reason I think that's a problem is because your employment, whenever you work for someone else, is never guaranteed. And your age, wealth, and health is always going to be different the next day that you live, right? You're always a day older than you were before. And life insurance, as you know, it becomes more expensive the older you are, and even depending on the health issues you have. So if you're relying on what your employer provides, and then you don't stay with your employer, then you're also jeopardizing your ability to probably Mm. get affordable insurance. And so I'm always encouraging people, get a private policy outside of your job. So one, you can work wherever you want to, and you don't have to depend on someone else to provide this critical part of your legacy planning. Um, But two, the younger and healthier you are, you pretty much ensure that you have the coverage you need because anything can happen. You know, you can turn around tomorrow, have an accident, and all of a sudden you may not be insurable, but you had an opportunity to do so. So, and even in those cases, I still try to find a company that'll help families. So that's one of the things that I really push. Um, It's not Mm -hmm. really fear in my situation, in my circumstances, when I meet with people, it's mostly cost. And then I explain to them how affordable it can be. And I tailor um, a policy. Now, from my understanding, as I'm building my, my legacy, the life insurance should be uh, the foundation of what I build on top of. Is that correct? Or is there, do you have a different philosophy? Okay. It's, it's a part of your plan. I think it's a critical part that should happen first because, like I said, for most people, it is a very affordable, low threshold. But then from there, you have to be managing the money you're making right now. You have to be budgeting, saving, investing so you can build that money into something you can put into bigger ventures such as private businesses or maybe stock. I don't think entrepreneurship is for everyone, but I do think it is a successful way when you're successful as an entrepreneur to build more wealth faster. But there are regular people who work a 20 to 35 year career. They save aggressively in their retirement accounts and they save aggressively outside of work and invest those savings into the traditional stock market or other means and have managed to amass a significant amount of wealth also. And it hasn't required them to Mm. take on the risk of being. Now, you were saying um, I know you're talking about investing in private companies what does that look like for someone who's not familiar? Full disclosure, again, that's what I do on my you know, day-to-day is I invest mm-hmm. uh, as a, a micro-private equity investor. But from your side, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. I have my life insurance. Now I'm looking to put my money aggressively in, into certain things. What does investing in private companies look like? Mm-hmm. So I think it depends on what your risk is and what you're willing to do. On my side of things, I also do real estate. I'm not sure if I mentioned that to you previously, Mm -hmm. but investing in real estate, mostly in the buy and hold sector, right? So I'm renting properties out to tenants and then collecting the rent for cash flow. But I have also, as an entrepreneur, saw potential in other entrepreneurs and I've given out small business loans, which in my opinion was all they really needed to take their business to the next level. But I did that with risk. Like they could have never paid me back or they could have paid me back and been super successful. But in all of those ventures, I've created 
legal paperwork to make it possible and everyone knows their responsibilities and obligations. Other people may not be equipped Mm -hmm. to enter business in that way. And if that's the case, traditional investing in the stock market is another way to invest in other companies, but it's regulated. It's a lot more um, potential for you to sort of be in your usual investing capacity. Um, But me personally, the way I've chosen to to give to other entrepreneurs through small businesses. Now, I know you're saying that your company, your organization is is tailored for black women. Is that correct? Yes, but they're not my only audience or clients. Um, I do have men who read my blog and who engage (laughs) and give me... Go ahead. Yes. (laughs) Right. You know, like you, DJ, you know, like just really helping me get the word out. Mm -hmm. So you always got to have your allies that are not necessarily women. And I really appreciated that support because that's helped get the word out. Um, because in my insurance business, I obviously have uh, a very diverse network of yeah. clients and they're not limited to women. I just feel there's a focus that women need more um, into them, pouring into them. And women is the have focus they been I've receptive to, to, to you on. wanting to pour into them. What has been your experience uh, targeting? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I would say, yeah, um, I'm really I'm not only receptive to the fact that they are uh, wanting the help, but I also think it's great that women are just taking control of their finances. They're realizing even in a marriage where the partner may not be on the same page, that they want to get it together and do it right and really get to the next level. So I find that women are my most frequent readers, as well as, you know, I offer a free consultation to a lot of new Uh, potential clients and they're my most frequent requesters of the free consultation so i i see it because a lot of women Mm -hmm. are the cfos of their families and and they're taking ownership and taking responsibility so that they don't spend too long going down the wrong path i saw on my my twitters and my instagrams uh i saw you speaking Mm -hmm. uh you had shared Mm -hmm. some you shared a time where you were speaking at an event can you tell us a little bit more about some of the events that you speak at and what are the, some of the topics that you discuss when you're, you're going mm-hmm. around and, and talking about your company and your brand? Yeah. Yeah, of course. So I love to speak. I love to really engage one-on-one with people. It, you know, that is where you really connect and build real relationships. And so I pretty much volunteer for workshops. I've hosted budgeting workshops in the past for you know, upcoming entrepreneurs, the Urban League. I've even uh, made it a little fun speaking at a speakeasy. Uh, a speakeasy is like an open mic night where people of the community come out and they rap and sing and do poetry. But then they're also talking like me about building wealth, the importance of insurance, credit, why things like this matter in the Black community. Um, and in that particular event, it was in D.C., We were talking about buying the block back and why that matters. In the black communities in D.C., we've had a lot of gentrification and you've had a lot of D.C. natives Mm. who can't afford to live in D.C. anymore. So I was really talking about why we need to pool our money in some cases, because I believe it. If you can't afford it by yourself, find somebody who can help you afford it together, because there's no reason why we can't pursue home ownership if we want it and buying back our communities so that we have diverse communities, not just communities where we used to exist, can we, can but now we, we can't even Can we dive deeper into afford. that topic? Can I? Okay. 
because what I've noticed is, yeah. you know, this conversation <laughs> is happening with um, the president of the United States talking about Baltimore and, you know, saying what he wants to say about Baltimore. And then all these other people are talking about investing in Detroit and all these different cities across uh, the United States. Um, is it mm-hmm. enough to just invest or do we also need to look at revitalizing and uh, redeveloping and also working with the people within within the communities? Is, is it just enough to get a piece of the building or is there more to it? Okay. It's, it's all of the above. I think getting investors in the market is step one because you need money to come in and revitalize. No one is gonna wanna live where other people aren't living gotcha. and the communities are not thriving. But the plus side is when you get the investors in there to rebuild and they bring in families and other investors, you will find the other retail outlets will come. And that brings jobs. And those jobs will bring more people into the area who need schools. And so then the county has to now put money into the schools so that the people living there are getting what they need and they're wholeheartedly being supported. Um, But that takes time. I would never lead you to believe that you can revitalize in a couple of years. I think in some places it genuinely will take five, 10, maybe even 20 years for you to see the full turnaround. But it's a process and you have to get everyone to buy into the process. And for some of those people, like larger investors, the outcome and the money is going to be their motivation. Whereas others in the community who love it or they've been raised there, their Mm -hmm. passion might be a little more personal. But together, y'all all can bring the community back up. You just need to bring in the right people and then support those businesses. Because what people don't understand is you get all of these new businesses, most of the time small business owners, to come into communities and start their stores and restaurants. But then if you don't support them and they can't yeah. make ends meet, they're true. not going to last. So it's, it's a community balance that everyone has to be playing their part. And then hopefully it will turn it around. But there's, there's just a lot more pockets where the investment is happening, but the rest of it is not following through as quickly as communities needed to. So I think it's important that we have some sense of urgency when we start to see that happening. Are you loving Black Equity Podcasts? Great. Head over to Black Equity Net at Instagram and check out our link that's in the bio. I want you to see the other recommended podcasts that we would love for you to listen to. That includes Pillow Top Podcasts, Robin E93, Real Love 916, Hella Smart Mothers Podcasts, and Better Than You Podcasts. And when you get an opportunity, also make sure you read Becoming an Everyday Millionaire that was written by our guest today, Aquania, from The Purpose of Money. Now, let's get back to the show. To support the other aspects. And I think I've always been uh, the other aspects kind of guy. Because, and and I would love mm-hmm. to hear your thoughts on this. For me, what is the purpose of money, right? The purpose of money for mm-hmm. me is uh, leveraging this thing that we call money uh, to bring significant value to a, a particular marketplace to uh, allow the value of that 
prices mm-hmm. continue to increase and to increase and to increase. So then we can uh, have better mm-hmm. lives mm-hmm. and our quality of life and our quality of living and cont- continues to grow. And then as we have that blueprint, then we can take that to other places to bring that same idea or that same philosophy to other communities. Exactly. And so, and I'll be quiet and listen so to your dope. thoughts as well. <laughs> But I guess I get concerned on Twitter when I see people just say, well, I'll, you know, I'll just go uh, invest in, and make my money in Detroit or I'll go make my money in Baltimore. And, you know, they're basically uh, throwing their money at something and just wanting money back. And it's like, well, where's the other piece? Yeah. So what you're saying is dope. We need more people like you out there who are like, I want to be a part of the process, investing, feeding into, building up, and pulling through. Um, but I do think, especially in the world of real estate, you have a lot of that where some people want to just get in the market. And full disclosure, mm-hmm. I was one of those people a few years ago. I had cash. I could not afford to invest in the DMB. That's the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia well area. We call it the DMB. <laughs> and... Um, I decided to take my cash and invest in Philadelphia. Philadelphia had very affordable row houses. Um, You could buy a property cash for less than 50K, sometimes even less than 100K. And then you could rent it out for 900 to 1200 a month. Great returns. In most cases, you fulfilled your return on your investment in two to five years. So the numbers looked good. The return, even, even the cash flow, because you could potentially even get a mortgage on that same property. So now you're not really even shelling out all the cash, but it's harder than you think. Like the infatuation of, Oh, I'm just going to buy this and invest that in these communities that are depressed and they need the investment is great, but there's other things to it. You know, it's like I said, the schools in that neighborhood, the jobs in that neighborhood, and then the, the community. Like, I, I had a good run with my tenants, but I had some I had to evict, unfortunately, due to income or mm-hmm. lack thereof. So they stopped paying rent. And then you find yourself being, in my case, a very active landlord, responsive to all the problems, but not getting any cash flow when they couldn't pay the rent. So now you're balancing how much longer do I invest in this community where I'm not physically living, but I'm trying to give back and to be involved, but Mm. the people aren't giving to me. Um, And I had to make my business partner and I, who were in that project together, you know, we had to make a, a business decision after two and a half years that when a cash buyer came along, we were going to accept the offer because we were able to basically eliminate the stress that came mm-hmm. with the downside of being a landlord. Um, and that was hard for me because I had, we had a plan for potential in Philadelphia and you know, how many homes we wanted to basically invest in over the years, but plans have to change sometimes. And so Dope. that's what thank you I for sharing that. Cause I think, I think a lot of people, they just want to no. be an investor. And they just want to get in. And then no one mm-hmm. has ever expressed to them, well, what are some of the positives? What are some of the negatives? What are some of the peaks and the valleys uh, that go with that? And that's anything. I mean, exactly. that's investing in the business. That's investing in the stock market. Yeah. We saw the other day, the stock market is all over the place. <laughs> so it can, you can really mm-hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, what day is it? You know, does it end in a Y? Okay, the stock market's up, down, all around. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's real. But I think that's what people need to understand. Anytime mm. you invest in something, there is a risk. There's a downside. There's a positive. You need to be prepared. But you mm. also need to be proactive. I mean, if you see something is going in the wrong direction and you are only putting money into it and you don't see a way out, you need to come mm. up with three exit strategies um, because you have to have a way to recover from yourself financially and emotionally because that experience could cause you to not want to take risk again or not want to invest in communities again. But that's not going to help us in the long run. So even when you have a bad situation, in my case, like I had to evict one person and I was about to have to evict another one and you find you feel like you're in court more than you are Mm -hmm. getting rent, you can't give up. You just have to say, okay, what are my options? You need to always try to field out your options and then pick one Yeah. and stand by your decision until you've seen it through, you know? And then go from there. Learn from your mistakes. Say, okay, last time I did it, this is what we did wrong. This is how we're going to do it better next time. Let's do this. You mentioned an exit strategy. I always tell people, uh, before you enter into anything, anything, so whatever that Mm -hmm. is, before you enter into (laughs) anything, you should know where all the exits are. And literally, that's how Mm -hmm. I live my life. I, I, I remember growing up and I, and I watched uh, movies like Born Identity and when he, when he would sit down in the mm-hmm. restaurant he knew where all the exits were within the first 10 seconds of sitting down and that's just how I've always uh, <laughs> approached everything and so when, I, when I'm looking at exits um, my biggest thing that, that I'm noticing is uh, people are getting into markets that they don't necessarily understand uh, what market cycle they're in. And so there's a downturn mm-hmm. coming. Uh, within the next, I don't know, year or so, there's going to be a downturn. And a lot of people are getting into markets as it's going down. And I, I, my concern is uh, they don't know that it's going down. And they, they didn't mm. seek proper... Uh, proper there you go like counsel or advice earlier about uh are you just investing money the first investment to me and of course i love to hear your thoughts the first investment Mm -hmm. to me is your circle of influence who who Mm -hmm. the heck do you have around you advising you or is it just somebody who wants to make sure that you're part of whatever they're part of to put money into so you can say, oh, we invested mm-hmm. into this. Or are we looking long term? Are we looking five to ten years down the road? Because to me, that is so important. So, it is. It is. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like in anything you do, your nine to five, your side hustle, your entrepreneur. it on your own but then at some point you have to discuss that outside of your own walls because you will get blindsided Mm. if you do not think 
how else can I be impacted by this decision, influenced, affected, improved upon? And that's where outside voices help. And I feel like it's hard sometimes because if you're the only one in your hustle and grit in you, and you know you don't have anyone in your family to talk to, you struggle to figure out who do I go to. But I feel like there is always a way to at least meet other like-minded people, whether it's through meetup and figuring out who's in my community that's trying to do the same thing or just express what you're trying to do in broad terms. Don't give up your secrets until you find someone you can confide in because if your great idea is a great one, you don't want anyone else to steal it. But at the same time, if you're like, I want to get into investing, we'll go to investing workshops in your area and see who the speaker is. If the speaker is up there talking about investing, ask them for 15 to 20 minutes of their time. See if they mentor, see if they can connect you to someone local. Um, Don't fall down the trap of spending a lot of money to sit in workshops where they want you to buy more to get into the the same field you're interested in. Because I do think You shouldn't make those type of financial investments when you're in the beginning, but do your research to find a couple of people to bounce ideas off of. And and maybe in that group, you'll find somebody who's willing to mentor you through the process. Um, But I think that's important because you will either learn from mentors or mistakes. Mm. And I would rather learn from a mentor to avoid mistakes at any time because that saves you money. It saves you headache. It saves you stress. And they know what they know better, right? What does a mentor um, look like? Or not look, but you know, uh, right. feel like. <laughs> right. So that's why I say peers are important because some of my mentors are my same age, my same place in my business, right? They just, they're a few years in or they're just starting a new blog or, you know, they have a, a network, but maybe they've gone through the growing pains of building their list. For example, we call your email list is your gold, right? How many people are reading what you're producing or how many people are listening to your podcast? I talk to other people in my realm who are in that space because they've been there, done that, probably even know the tools and tips I need. So they might look just like me as far as a business level. But then I also have those around me who are well invested. They've made money. They they could write a book on it, but maybe they choose not to. Who I'm asking harder questions like I'm having this issue with this property. Do you think this is time to cut it loose? Or do you think I should hold out and wait for the turn in the market? Or what, you know, what is your advice on that? And to be honest, um, one of my greatest mentors is my dad. Um, he is a real estate investor in Georgia during the height of the market, had several properties and was really like making it work through rentals. Mm. Um, and now he's transitioned to flips, but still doing his thing in real estate. He has a lot of experience and he's retired veteran. So most of the income that he used to get started was from his military job. And now um, he still works a nine to five as a veteran for a government agency, but he is still passionate about real estate. So he is one of the first people I go to and there, you know, and that's okay. Go to family, go to friends, go to experts, um, but find people you trust. And that may take a little while. I feel like you shouldn't cling on to the first quote unquote mentor you find Mm -hmm. um, because they may not be the best fit for you. And that's also important.
We are just getting started. This is part one, and we are going to have part two tomorrow here on Black Equity Podcast. So if you haven't subscribed, I don't know what you're waiting on. You need to subscribe. You need to tell all your friends about Black Equity Podcast because the information that we're about to get into, we're going to talk about Jay-Z. We're going to talk about uh, all the different documentaries that are out right now. And we're going to look at, well, how is money impacting uh, the prison system? How is money impacting us on our daily lives? We're not done yet. Come back tomorrow for the rest of this conversation. And thank you for tuning in today.